0: Jamie! <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh my god, I, I harangued you until you let me do it. Oh please, I love you were you on my list for so long. I, and actually, I wanted you to sing this song, I wanted you to talk about this role. And I wanted to wait until election day. So I don't know if we will say happy election day. I guess we'll find out tomorrow. I love every time that you uh, book a role, you spend so much time investing in the preparation of a character. You, you played Hook earlier this year. And yes. I saw, you know, you've checked out every version of every, yes. you know, adaptation. Now... John Adams is a different person because it wasn't a character, it was a, you know, it was a historical figure, but mm-hmm. uh, your preparation was probably even more extensive, so it talk, was. talk to me about mm-hmm. that. Well, you know,
1: my first ever audition for this part was for Goodspeed, mm-hmm. and it was my first audition for Goodspeed, right. and it was Rob Ruggiero's first show that he directed at Goodspeed, so, so there was a lot... 2007, is that yeah? Yeah, right? okay. yep. and there was a lot at stake for him, obviously, and mm-hmm. there was a lot at stake for me, uh, and, it was, and it's a huge role. I mean, he basically drives, drives the show. And, uh, and it went very, very well, but I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like a terrier, you know, and when I get onto something that I know is right for me, um, I never let go right. until I get to do it. And mm-hmm. I auditioned for it over the, over the next seven years uh, for about 12 different productions. Okay. So there was a lot of time to, to learn about Adams and to become obsessed with him because he's easily uh, obsessible. Mm-hmm. Um, And it was very close to me. I I usually play parts that are very uh, distant from me, Mm -hmm. where I'm doing lots of character transformation. And this is an angry little man from Massachusetts, uh, which is who I am. (laughs) uh, One of my ancestors was an original Massachusetts Bay colonist. So I've got a connection to that history, and I Mm -hmm. grew up in that world. Adams is a great American, uh, and one of the greatest Americans ever, and his wife Abigail, equally great American, and one of the great marriages. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more you learn about them the more the more in awe you are of them.
0: Remind me who played opposite you for that production
1: uh Christiane Knowles. <laughs> you can't get much better was my <laughs> abigail and uh if if you if you think I was intimidated, you're right. Uh, <laughs> she's an incredible actress an incredible musician um she was incredibly kind to me uh-huh. and her husband Jamie LaVerdier, was in the in the show playing Rutledge oh, okay uh, and was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a great cast, and it was one of those. Flash in the pan, amazing summer stock experiences at the Kate Playhouse, and Jimmy Brennan directed me, and um, Jimmy and I have done five shows together, and Jimmy's played Adams a bunch of times, Uh Um, but never kind of imposed himself on me. But I decided, since I finally was getting to do this part, that I was going to sort of amplify my my geeky research part of it, and I did a a video blog, 12-part video
0: blog. Which I've seen, and it's absolutely excellent. (laughs) I'm going to have it linked uh, at the bottom of this video, so you can check it out, too. Uh, I took a day trip to Philadelphia and I visited um, uh,
1: Independence Hall and I got to go into the archives of the Massachusetts Historical Society with the librarians there and look at actual Adams documents and his copy of the Declaration
0: in his hand. And, mm-hmm. and, How uh, much of the, the text of the show, uh, either Peter Stone's book or you know, Sherman Edwards' uh, uh, lyrics, are actual, actually lifted from these letters and historical documents? A lot of it.
1: A lot of it. A lot of the uh, the John and Abigail stuff is directly out of their letters. Um, the song that we're doing—is anybody there? The whole section about um, I see fireworks, um, I
0: see the pageant, the pomp and parade—that's right out of a John Adams letter. Um, it's, it works so well as a lyric. You know, yeah. you, you don't even notice that it doesn't have a, a rhyme scheme. It's it's just it, it needs to be sung. It is the story of America, mm-hmm. and
1: the the struggle continues. You know. Um, the Declaration of Independence would not have been written. The moment that, we're, that I'm seeing, uh, is anybody there, is really this sort of moment where all hope is lost yeah. and uh, the southern contingent of the Congress has walked
0: out over uh, uh, the clause about slavery, the about abolishing that, slavery. The thing that really grabbed me when I was working on it earlier this year is exactly that, how a small faction of our Congress, of our country, Holds the rest of the country hostage. I think it was the, the, the DACA provision earlier this year mm-hmm. where, you know, they're like, oh, we're going to either shut down the government if you don't uh, revoke the DACA status or if you don't build the wall. You know, the vast majority of our country is feeling a certain way, and but you need the votes. Um, you know, I, I hear
1: politicians and pundits often say the founding fathers blah, 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 blah. I mean, I'm an actor, I'm a lowly actor, you know, but I read all three volumes of the diary and autobiography of John Adams. I've read every biography. Um, I know what the Founding Fathers said because they were aware of their place in history. They wrote extensively. They published extensively. They wanted posterity to know how they felt about things and what they meant by what they said. There's really no mystery to what any of those people, Jefferson, Adams, any of those people meant and intended for this country. John Adams was one of the original abolitionists. He and his wife, Abigail, were so progressive at a time when, you know, the colonies were their own separate countries. They, in fact, called it their country. Um, And they were so far apart. John Adams had never gone further out of Massachusetts Bay Colony than Maine, Mm -hmm. you know, and Maine was part of Massachusetts Bay Colony. He had never been to Philadelphia. He had never been to one of the other colonies. And he was a well learned, well-experienced, worldly guy for his time. Right. So the southern states were, and the states' colonies, were another country altogether with a different mm-hmm. culture. Right. So for these men to have to come together in a room and find common ground was nearly impossible. I mean, really impossible. And, and I think the beauty of this piece is that it brings that crisis to life. It brings to life the pettiness. It brings to life the squabbling and the, and the fistfights and the, and the insults Um, All of which is still happening today. I mean, it really is happening today. Yes. But at the same time, there was a common goal. And the goal was creating freedom. And uh, as far as Adams was concerned, if we don't free the slaves, then what we're arguing about, about human beings having the right to be free, means nothing. Mm -hmm. And he says in the play, he says, if we don't make the right choice here, generations... Will curse us for it, and when you think when this play was written in 1969, 1970, mm-hmm. and we're you know we're coming out of the Vietnam War and we're dealing with the continuing civil rights movement, and right. sixty nine was the the year of Stonewall and, mm-hmm. and the gay rights movement, we we're and women's and, rights and Woodstock and you know, exactly, so so you know you're talking about people writing something about the founding of our nation in a very I think a very pure historical way. Yes. Um, but has all the resonance for that time, and sadly for our time as well. But the other thing I think, uh, you know, we can sit here and gripe all day long about our politics and, and where we're at as a nation, the core principles of what it means to be American that, that Adams embodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I did this play four years ago, by the end of it, the audience was in tears and, and feeling charged because it's part of our DNA. Mm-hmm challenging each other to be better. Mm-hmm. And that was Adams's thing, you know, he writes in his in his autobiography and a lot of what his character is like in the piece. You know, they're always complaining about how, how loud he is and his voice obnoxious is and piercing. <laughs> obnoxious and disliked. Somebody had to come in and shape shape people up and say, you know, this is come on guys. What are we what are we fighting for? What are we fighting over? And the truth is that Adams and people in Massachusetts Bay Colony were getting the worst of it. Mm-hmm. Because they were the point of entry, and they were the, the port that was being starved and choked off, and they were starving, mm-hmm. and uh, they were feeling the effects of it. Whereas Virginia and South Carolina and those those states were living fairly comfortably, and they were most mostly you know loyalists.
0: To me, the most uh, impactful moment of the show, uh, arguably outside the this final chapter, is Rutledge's song because it it really says. You're a bunch of hypocrites. One of the the arguments that we see today is the whole whataboutism. You know, being unable to defend your positions, but having a point of entry to show other people's hypocrisy, yeah. which kind of keeps the arguments going. It takes you off topic. It's actually an infantile evasion. It's a way oh, of avoiding really absolutely. talking about something.
1: And uh, it's about slinging... Slinging a a comparable you know mud pie mm-hmm. in the face of the other guy, but it doesn't really foster dialogue and it doesn't require much um, uh, thought or 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 contemplation and I mm-hmm. think that one of the things that's that comes through in seventeen seventy six about all these men, mm-hmm. no matter where they're from or whatever their belief system is, they are willing to chew on that gristle until it is completely dissolved
0: they're they're willing to contemplate all the sides of that argument, mm-hmm. which you do not see today. No. You know, we have all these these same things with, with two very polarizing views, and a lot of the frustration is the fact that, you know, Merrick Garland couldn't even have a hearing.
1: We need to find a way to be okay with the hokiness of what it means to be American, because unfortunately, the, the the world looks to us for that and has traditionally. I don't know if they do anymore. I think a lot of damage has been done in the past few years. I was always an actor first, a singer second. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gotten to do much more singing parts than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it, it really is a role for an actor. And of course, any actor who's played Adams will tell you that you blow your voice out for this <laughs> role, And it's not in the singing. <laughs> yeah. It's yelling. It's constant yelling. I love it. I wish it were done more often. Mm-hmm. I'd love to play him again before I get too old
0: yeah. Is anybody there?
1: Does anybody care? Does anybody Nobody see what I say They want me to quit They say John give up the fight Still to England I say I am the chair.
0: A a strong background in Shakespeare, which was so important for roles like Adams, you are also empowering others to be trained uh, actors as well with your coaching business. Can you talk a little bit about your philosophy and uh, what you try and bring to your clients? Yeah,
1: um, coaching sort of came to me.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, People coming to me
1: uh, wanting to work on a Shakespeare piece, for example, and not really having any background in it, Uh because I sort of straddle the musical theater world and the classical theater world and musical theater people are very intimidated by Shakespeare and Shakespeare people are very intimidated by singing. <laughs> uh, so it's a very interesting thing. And what I realized was actors have a different approach for audition preparation than they do for preparing a role. And I think it puts the, the focus on the wrong thing. I think uh. it puts the focus on performative um, energy. It puts the focus on showing something, showing your prowess, showing your range, showing your power... Uh, uh, in what you can do physically, and not enough on acting. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I take people back uh-huh. to their process as actors and remind them that really they should prepare those five pages of that role as if they were pre- preparing the whole role. Right. And by the time they get in there, they know it inside and out, and they have a, a, a take. Mm-hmm. You want to show them how you would play it. Right
0: if you got a chance to play it. Well, this conversation was amazing. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much, Jamie. This was such a treat. Um, If you want to learn more about uh, Jamie's work, uh, reach out to him on social media. Uh, Look at him uh, for your coaching needs. And if you like uh, this conversation and the performance uh, that you heard, check out Pardo's Turn. Like, share, subscribe, comment. Bye.